So when we want to make a little common sense of things, I turned my good friend, Mr. David Caputo, Dr. Caputo, of course, uh, back in the day, Meredith Pace, political science professor extraordinaire. Uh, always nice enough to give us a couple of minutes. We say a very happy new year to you, sir. Hope you are well as uh, we start a new year and uh, plenty of uh, circus-type atmosphere right now happening in the nation's capital, wouldn't you say? Yes, I would agree, Jay. First of all, let me wish you a happy new year and all your listeners a happy new year also. Uh, it'll be a very interesting year ahead. Uh, I think 2023 will have a lot to do with what happens in 2024, so we'll see what happens. There you go. Let's see what happens today in Washington. Just had a congressman-elect Nick Lolota on, representing the 1st Congressional, David. Uh, he's confident Kevin McCarthy will be in, even if it is ballot four. Do you feel the same way at this point in time? Uh, I don't. Uh, I think there's a good possibility that he, he will prevail. But I think a lot depends on um, what, what, if anything, significant happened with the, with the discussions and negotiations last night. Uh, the Republicans really don't have too many places to go at this point in terms of the election of the Speaker. Uh, it's possible that uh, the Never Kevin group will decide at some point uh, today or whenever that they need to uh, vote perhaps um, present and reduce the number needed uh, for election of the speaker. That's always a possibility. Uh, Will someone else emerge? I don't think Jim Jordan has a possibility of getting the votes. I don't think, um, uh, I think the other person who may is someone such as Steve Scalise, but I think the Republicans have put themselves in uh, a very awkward position uh, not having this secured going into the vote. I think that's really where the mistake was made. And uh, whether uh, McCarthy can rally his troops, I mean, his troops have held largely firm, whether how many of the 19 to 20 uh, hardliners they're able to pick off remains to be seen. So what's the, the crux of it, David? Where, where is, I mean, you know, Jordan is ridiculous. He's stopping... Stumping for uh, uh, Kevin McCarthy, he's getting, what, 19 or so votes round two, 20 in, row, in, in ballot three. Uh, where, where, where is the, the substance of it all as far as why these holdouts and everything else? You know, what is the beef with, um, with Matt Getz? Uh, what is the beef with Andy Biggs? I mean, I can't figure it out. I mean, do, do people forget what happened a couple of years ago, McCarthy and everything else, when Trump lost to Biden? I mean, listen, McCarthy saved a lot of seats here. So where, where are we at here? Why? Well, I, I think the um, the Freedom Caucus has uh, exhibited these type, these type, this type of behavior in the past uh, in terms of being intransigent. And the question really becomes is perhaps their effort to simply block uh, the ability of the Republicans or anyone to be able to govern. I mean, this this could go on for a significant, significant amount of time. It detracts from the Republican agenda, which they had talked about in, in terms of changing some things. Uh, it does not pretend well uh, for the future, for the rest of the year, in terms of legislative possibilities. And certainly the Biden administration has to take that into account. So I, I think the key question is, 
are the uh, hardliners uh, really uh, doing this for ideological purposes? Are they doing it simply to be obstructionists? Uh, I mean, what what can what more can McCarthy uh, provide to them in terms of trying to switch, um, change their minds, short of saying that he will do whatever they expect, whatever they want him to do? And I don't think he's in position to do that. So I, I would expect a, another series, perhaps a, a very shortened agenda, to, a very shortened meeting today, and then uh, an adjournment for uh, you know uh, another effort to figure out what's going to happen. Uh, if the twenty whole um, to their position, or the 19, really, I think the 20th vote was largely uh, symbolic to try to get things moving. Uh, and I think that person, the congressman from Florida, will go back to McCarthy uh, in the next round of voting. But unless there's a significant decline in the um, no votes for McCarthy, uh, then you know you get into and this goes on for a few more days. Then you get into some very interesting possibilities about there being uh, some sort of a shared governance uh, with part of the Republican Party and part of the Democratic Party. I think that's very unlikely, and um, so I I personally think that this comes down to what are the um, real motives of the the small group of individuals is it to obstruct or is it because they basically uh, refuse to accept uh, McCarthy because of their personal dislike so it'll be very interesting to watch uh, to see what happens meanwhile i mean i think there are a couple other points i would just raise about this one is uh, you see the wisdom of the Democrats uh, pushing through, and with bipartisan support, the large spending bill uh, that carries the government through September. Uh, without that, uh, they, you know, things would really be in, um, and the government would basically be shutting down at this point. So I think uh, Majority Leader Schumer, McConnell, and uh, the leadership in the House uh, getting this passed in the, uh, prior to the um, end of the last term, the last Congress, is very significant and uh, I think should not be uh, underestimated the, the importance of it. And then going forward, what does this do, uh, assuming that at some point it gets resolved, what does this do to the Republicans in terms of their own agenda um, and what can and cannot get passed? And I, I would think that uh, the Biden administration has to be rethinking some of its um, uh, larger legislative uh, efforts that they were going to move on. And that bill, that $1.7 trillion omnibus bill, uh, I've got a lot of questions, and especially when it comes to border security. You're more concerned about border security in the Middle East for countries like Jordan and Egypt, uh, you know, Tunisia. Please, uh, where is our border security? Have we got none? Uh, we got we got agents up in the air, air marshals being sent down to the border right now for whatever reason. Uh, I don't know to make ham and cheese sandwiches for the migrants. I mean, I, I can't figure this out. You mean tell me four hundred and ten million dollars plus was okay to spend on that bill, uh, a bill that uh, I mean that is ab- and uh, to my estimation that is an absolute disgrace. That is the most egregious part of that bill, David Caputo. I'm sorry. Uh, not well, to mention the fact you want to spend recklessly, go ahead at the 11th hour, $31.5 trillion. We can't re- wait for the next round of inflationary uh, practices to be in play beyond belief. But, man, I'll tell you, border security for Egypt, Tunisia, Jordan, why? 
Well, I think this is an example of what happens when you need to get build support uh, for legislation. A lot of things get into the bill, uh, which in calmer moments and uh, not with a rush, uh, you're willing to uh, delete. I think in this case, uh, both that and other aspects of the bill were put in uh, because of, uh, we were able to stay in and put in uh, because of legislative interest on the part of specific members. So in essence, that bill is loaded with uh, what we used to refer to as earmarks, but earmarks supposedly have been um, uh, eliminated, but not eliminated in this bill. So I agree with you that uh, there are lots of that legislation which normally would not have been passed, but the need to get something passed, uh, I think, predominated. And as far as the, you know, you raised the issue about border security, uh, that is simply a, an issue which you know, then I don't think very much is going to get done on it, uh, simply because there is no agreement, no widespread agreement as to what should be done, uh, what sh- what should our immigration policy be, and how does that reflect it at the border. So you had the, the expectation that when Biden announced he would end the uh, Trump uh, rule, uh, regarding uh, asylum, that uh, you know, it would be much easier to get into the United States, and this prompted, I think, the large surge of people moving towards the border. Now that that uh, is not, since the outcome of that is now in the hands of the Supreme Court, I think we have to wait and see as to what impact that has on the numbers of immigrants trying to get into the United States. But the fundamental uh, problem here is the lack of agreement on both parties and within the parties as to what should be done in terms of immigration policy. But I think it's important not to get sidetracked from the key issue here uh, with the um, speaker's stalemate. This really indicates to me that the, uh, the Freedom Caucus, a small number of individuals, given the small uh, majority that the Republicans have in the House, are going to be in a position to block just about anything that they want to block. And um, unless a number of Democrats move over to support the Republicans, which I think is probably going to be unlikely, the Republicans are not going to be able to get their uh, legislative agenda moving. Uh, and in addition, the Democrats are not going to be able to. So I think the next two years uh, will probably lead to more stalemate and stasis. Uh, the president might be able to get a few things passed uh, with the help of some Republicans, more moderate Republicans, but I think that uh, is also very questionable. So I think the bottom line here is this shows the weakness of our uh, constitutional government in terms of the ability in in this type of a situation for a very small group of individuals to uh, bring in basic raise basic questions about the ability to govern. No question, David uh, Caputo with us. Um, And listen, to me, every day that goes by with this nonsense, uh, and that's why I look at the border as the top of the the agenda right now, because somehow you have to solve it. you got to get all Mallorcas in front of some sort of a committee to answer some questions here. Every day that goes by, more people are dying. And I'm talking about the fentanyl crisis. We we know we're averaging about two three hundred people a day here in this country that are dying based on this. That's coming from the border. Uh, 
and we have to somehow fix it. In order to do that, we have to get a firm Congress in place of a level playing field. That's the way I kind of see it. Until we have that, we're going to have nothing but chaos. Nothing but chaos when this nonsense goes on on a daily basis. So we have to solve that issue. With that being said, uh, speaking of Congress, George Santos, uh, should he have resigned already in your estimation? Uh it depends on if the allegations uh, are, are correct in terms of some of his financial dealings and some of the issues in terms of his campaign finance and so forth. Clearly, he should have. But I think the broader question here is, except for the one uh, newspaper uh, on Long Island uh, picking up uh, some of this information prior to the campaign, uh, the, the major news uh, organizations, CNN, uh, Times, and so forth, simply missed it or didn't cover it, and they're playing catch-up right now. Uh, I don't think he's going to resign um, at this point, but you know, I think it depends a lot on what happens with some of the criminal charges that are supposedly under consideration. Um, I want to just go back to your last point for just a moment before we move on with Santos, and that is that uh, remember the fentanyl crisis just didn't develop in the last three days. Uh, Congress has been unable to resolve it uh, even during the last term. So this is an ongoing issue, and uh, among other issues, such as uh, you know, it's related to migration and so forth, immigration, until there's a, a willingness for both parties to sit down and reach an agreement to deal with some of the impacts of immigration and the impact on the migrant as well as the impact on the American economy and the uh, American um, well American uh, well-being uh, nothing's going to happen and clearly the speaker crisis um, <clears throat> makes this uh, even more difficult to resolve uh, and, and it's not just this issue it's all the issues because it's going to take some time to get the committees organized, for the committees to begin. It delays some of the major Republican legislation. Now, going back to Santos, Santos is a, um, a uh, uh, divisive and also a, um, a, and his, under normal circumstances, uh, the Republican Party would have had to deal with this. They're able to ignore it uh, simply because of the broader question about the congressional organization. Uh, I think there's a chance he'll resign at some point. Uh, he may decide. It'd be very difficult to remove him from office. House could decide not to seat him, but I don't think that's going to be the case. So, therefore, it's going to come down to uh, the local Republican Party organization uh, when the 2024 uh, congressional elections are held, whether or not they challenge him in a primary and so forth. So it'll be very interesting to watch. Uh, we don't get this too often uh, so early in a elected representative's career. But it will be a major flashpoint for the Democrats, too, in terms of wanting to emphasize the Republican support for him. No question. And listen, the, the, the first point, you, you need a level playing field for something to get done. And with the Republicans in control of Congress, it has a chance. Right now, nothing. Until they get a, a Speaker of the House in place, nothing will get done, obviously. People need to get sworn in. The Santos thing in the beginning... 
the embellishment of the resume as far as the work, the education, I'd let it slide somewhat. I'd say, you know what, give him a chance. Too many lies, though. Too much stuff has come out. The thing that will uh, completely unravel Santos is the financial stuff. If nefarious nature has set in regarding campaign donations, listen, all these trips he took, 100000 plus spent. Nobody, I mean, people are sounding, oh, what? what? What man does that running for Congress? Nobody. You know, uh, if there is nefarious nature, even more so, in my estimation, regarding income and everything else disclosed, remember, 55000 on twenty from 2020 to $11 million. I mean, come on. I mean, that wasn't a scratch-off ticket as far as the lottery is concerned, you know? I mean, there are questions here, but everything that has come out with this guy has been nothing but a lie over the last eight days. Grandparents being Jewish, uh... Pulse nightclub shooting. I mean, I got a list here. The high school that he went to. He said he went to Horace Mann, which is a very prestigious prep school, folks. In the Bronx. Didn't graduate. Due to his financial struggles, claimed he earned some sort of a GED. Never attended it. I mean, come on. I mean, everything that has come out of this guy's mouth has been nothing but a lie. How is he supposed to stand on that floor of the House of Reps and, and, and defend the third congressional for the cause and everything. How do you, how do you trust this? You can't. You can't trust it. Well, that's that's the issue. And the you know there hasn't been much about uh, his constituents uh, uh, revolting and wanting him to resign. I think there'll be a movement to try to bring some pressure on him there. Uh, if you notice during the House proceedings, proceedings yesterday, the few shots that they had of him, he was largely by himself, not interacting with individuals and so forth. So his time may be limited, um, but I think uh, I think this is an important issue. But I think it pales in comparison with the issue uh, issues involved with the speaker and the implications of that going forward. Can this can this country really afford to have two years? of um, no uh, bipartisan discussions, no bipartisan attempts to impact legislation and so forth. I don't think we can, not given the problems that we're facing from the economy, from inflation, uh, to some of the foreign policy issues and defense policy issues. I mean, the war in Ukraine uh, could um, change rapidly at any point in the near future, and we need to get all hands on deck. We don't have all hands on deck, and it doesn't do us any good if part of that uh, contingent is um, hamstrung because of commitments that they've made to a very small number of individuals. Good question. Uh, i got time for one more. I'll bring up the FDA announcing it will allow the pharmacies, David Computer, to dispense the abortion medication uh, to patients. Uh, this medication can be used along with another, I was reading, uh, to end pregnancy. As of yesterday, they said it would no longer enforce a rule requiring those to get the first of these two drugs in person at a clinic or hospital. It's interesting here because the move comes after a new uh, Justice Department legal opinion declared that federal law allows the Postal Service, U.S. Postal Service, to deliver these abortion drugs. That's a move the Biden administration could help protect access to abortion in states that have enacted bans following the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. Uh, interesting how this one, you know, this one is not getting a lot of press, but the U.S. Postal Service and everything, there's a very interesting uh, development here, especially with that Supreme Court decision in June. 
Uh, yes, I, I agree, Jay, and I think the courts will ultimately resolve this, um, and it, it raises some very interesting questions, legal questions as well as philosophical questions about the role of the federal government and state governments and so forth. But again, I think this is going to be in the courts, and you are correct, this is really an extension of the f- political fight uh, over the ending of Roe versus Wade. And I think you're going to see other issues similar to this come up. Uh, and it, it becomes a, an important set of issues, uh, clearly in terms of women's reproductive rights, but it also becomes an important set of issues in terms of the nature of American federalism. What, very important day today. What are you keeping an eye on here? Uh, I would look to see what happens if they do get to another vote as to what happens to the opposition. Does that number go down or does it increase? Uh, I I think if we see it increase, it does not bode well for McCarthy. If we see it going down, we see that uh, you may be able to get to some agreement on McCarthy's election. Well, keep that in mind as far as Hakeem Jeffries. Folks, he got more votes. I mean, can you imagine this? I mean, Hakeem Jeffries got more votes, which is unbelievable. You know, uh, but in essence, it is what it is. 